You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Qatar accuses the United Arab Emirates of a hacking and disinformation campaign. Russia's foreign ministry says it was hacked. Russia experts in the U.S. are said to be receiving unwelcome attention from possible state intelligence services. Deterrence and confidence-building measures remain works in progress in cyberspace. Ransomware and click fraud are combined in a single criminal campaign. Macs are attacked by banking credential-stealing malware. Twitter bots are driving traffic to dodgy adult sites. And Ashley Madison proposes a settlement for its 2015 breach. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, July 17, 2017. The Washington Post is citing anonymous sources within the U.S. intelligence community in a report claiming that the United Arab Emirates was responsible for hacking Qatari news and information sources with fake stories expressing sympathy for Iran, Israel, and ISIS. The FBI, which assisted Qatar's investigation, had earlier attributed the attack to Russian actors, possibly criminals, freelancers, or hired guns. The incident involved clear disinformation and had serious diplomatic effects. On May 24th of this year, hackers took over the feed of the Qatar news agency and disseminated stories that attributed strongly pro-Iranian and pro-Zionist statements to Qatari leaders. There's an obvious degree of implausibility of any Arab leader holding such essentially incompatible views, but the planted remarks were incendiary enough to exacerbate tensions between Qatar and its Arab neighbors, especially such other members of the Gulf Cooperation Council as Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. This resulted in a diplomatic rupture and an ongoing regional crisis that has, among other things, seriously impeded U.S. efforts to intervene against ISIS and the Assad regime in Syria's multi-partite civil war. Thus seems a clear case of disinformation, black propaganda disseminated in cyberspace. While the FBI initially attributed the operation to Russian operators, The Post's anonymous sources are telling it that UAE authorities discussed the operation on May 23rd, the day before it took place. Those same sources say the attacks originated specifically in Abu Dhabi and that it's unclear whether they were carried out by the government directly, by contractors, or by some other hired third party. Qatar has denounced the United Arab Emirates, citing the Post's story as unequivocally proving that this hacking crime took place. They characterize the incident as a violation of international law. 
The United Arab Emirates denies any involvement in the hacking and disinformation and insists the real story is Qatar's sympathy for terrorist organizations. At the root of the tensions among the Gulf states lie divergent views about a proper role for the Muslim Brotherhood and the legitimate sources of Islamic temporal authority in the region. Qatar has said Saudi Arabia and the UAE feel themselves threatened by Qatar's relative liberalism, a distinction perhaps more visible from within the three monarchies than it is from without. The story is developing. We'll be following it over the course of the week. Russia's foreign ministry said Friday that it had been the victim of a protracted and damaging cyber attack. The ministry says its email servers were hacked with grave consequences. The attacks are said to have taken place last month and originated in Hungary and Iran. But a lot of other countries are mentioned in dispatches. China, India, the European Union, and especially the U.S. The Moscow Times cited a ministry spokeswoman who said that, quote, 88% of all visits to the foreign ministry's site were cyber villains with U.S. IP addresses, end quote. There are also reports of doxing attempts, some successful, against online accounts of U.S. experts on Russia, which are seen as potential battle space preparation for ongoing information operations. No attribution, but Russian intelligence services are suspected. The presumed goal is the preemptive discrediting of potentially unsympathetic experts during future confrontations in cyberspace. Such confrontations seem inevitable. The possibility of Russo-American cooperation against cyber threats, briefly floated by U.S. President Trump at the end of the G20 meetings, is long gone and lasted less than a day. But the U.S. unsurprisingly remains open to negotiations that might build confidence and reduce tension in cyberspace. The model for such efforts would be Cold War-era arms control regimes, or at least that's the working model most people thinking about the matter appear to bring with them. Such agreements would also seem to depend upon the emergence of some reliable model of deterrence, which is also in its infancy. A number of states are taking public steps toward increasing their cyber capability. Japan is the most recent power to announce such a move, and the U.S. is beginning the long-planned process of separating Cyber Command from the National Security Agency. Turning to conventional cybercrime, Nemucod AES ransomware and Kovter click fraud exploits are being distributed in the wild by a common campaign. The Sands Institute's Internet Storm Center says that it's noticed an uptick in spam carrying malicious zip archives with JavaScript files designed to download and install both Nemucod AES ransomware and Kovter click fraud malware on Windows PCs. Checkpoint reports a campaign against Mac systems that uses certificates to bypass Mac Gatekeeper. The malware, OS X doc, is distributed in a phishing campaign. Its goal seems to be theft of banking credentials. Social media security firm ZeroFox has been tracking Twitter bots luring people, men only, the reports say, with adult-themed tweets that link them back to dating sites owned by De Niro Marketing, the same company that Spambots drove traffic to earlier this year. ZeroFox has been keeping an eye on this since February. The company says they think the bot controllers are probably affiliates of De Niro and not De Niro itself. And finally, you're probably familiar with the hanky-panky brokers at Ashley Madison, only through legitimate research, of course. Well, Ashley Madison was breached in 2015, with some 37 million records on customers exposed in the incident. 
A hacking group calling itself the Impact Team threatened to release the illicitly obtained information unless Ashley Madison shut down. And when the service refused to do so, the hackers made good on their threat, with sad consequences that allegedly included incidents of blackmail and possibly at least one suicide. The Adultery Facilitation Service has reached a proposed settlement with its affected customers. The total it's proposing is $11,200,000 in compensation. Ashley Madison denies any wrongdoing, but says it wishes to avoid the expense, inconvenience, and uncertainty of protracted litigation. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, welcome back. Thanks, Dave. Uh, I wanted to talk today about uh, jobs. Right. And uh, we have this ongoing jobs um, overage, too many jobs, not enough people to fill them. It's and, a big problem. And you all, obviously Johns Hopkins, a well-respected uh, university, you all are kind of on the front lines with that, trying right. to get people prepared. We are involved with uh, a couple of uh, large efforts. One is the, the National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education. That's run out of NIST. It's nice. It was uh, something that President Obama established. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also are involved with the Centers for Academic Excellence, which is run out of the NSA. Uh, and it's a program for academic institutions at various levels of education to carry this certification as a center of academic excellence recognized by the NSA, and you apply for this. I work closely with some people at the NSA to try to get these uh, some of these applications approved, particularly at the two-year institution level. We're talking about community colleges okay. that have cybersecurity programs. 
you know, we're a four-year institution with a master's degree program. Right. Uh, so I work on the two-year applications. So there's no conflict of interest. I'm not keeping other people out of the market. Right, right. You're not competing for the same students right, exactly. who will be, sure, sure. Exactly. We also work with Hagerstown Community College. Uh, we have a, a class every year, uh, once during the fall. It's coming up uh, again this fall. I was just in a meeting with that, where we go out and we talk to the students there. They, they're, they're just learning about some of the research projects that we do. Uh, and one of the things I tell the students when, when I teach my one class there, it's just one lecture that I give, is uh, there is lots of different things you can do in the field. So if you go to a two-year institution, you can immediately leave a two-year institution and get into the cybersecurity field, or you can transfer into a four-year institution, then go into the cybersecurity field. Or you can go into a, an advanced degree, get a master's degree, or even a PhD. Mm-hmm. Generally, I've talked with our executive director, Tony DeBurra, and other faculty. They like to see, they think that it's better to get a, uh, a computer science advanced degree with a focus in security, particularly if you're going for a PhD. Uh, for a master's degree, we have the, the MSSI degree and there are other, other degrees available from other institutions that are focused in cybersecurity as well. But you don't need all that. If you, if you just are a high school graduate, I mean, I'm not saying that these things are bad. Of course, they're great if you get the PhD and the master's degree. Sure. But, but if you're just a high school graduate and don't have you know, time or, or funds to get even into a community college, then there is a, a certification called uh, Security Plus, uh, TIAA, I think, is the organization that offers that. And that's the minimum requirement to work on a federal contract where you're doing any kind of network administration. And the demand is so high. The, that there the is, demand is so there high. Is no shortage of opportunities for exactly. people who want to get in the field. I mean, we are desperate to get qualified yes. people out there in the field. That's right. Yeah, It's a great opportunity to get in. All right. Good information. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.